Revelation 15, 3 and 4, let me just touch on something here. It says, they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you? In other words, if these people had any clue of, of who they're coming against and, and really who these unbelievers, who these, who these people who call themselves Christians who are, who are dabbling in the occult and, and all these things, if they really knew, if they really had a revelation, they would see they're walking on the devil's territory. God, who, who shall not fear you? Listen to this. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments have been manifested. For you alone are holy. I want, to, I want you to notice this. The whole basis of fearing the Lord and glorifying his name in this verse is summed up in verse 4. You want to know what motivates them to say these things? It's in verse 4. For you alone, O God, are holy. For you alone, O God, are holy. That, that's the basis. For you alone, who shall not fear you, O God? The nations are going to come and worship before you. Why, 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 why? For you alone are holy, O God. I, we've taken this word holy, the holiness of God. Uh, God, you are holy. We, we've, we've made it too shallow. We don't have the full depth of it. We need more revelation. Amen? And I, I just, this is in effect, I mean, we're just skimming the surface. We need the Holy Spirit to take us deeper into this. Because there's a key here. There's a key here. Having this revelation of His holiness, it's going to unlock. It's going to unlock His manifest presence and glory and power in our lives like never, never before. Go to Isaiah chapter 55. This is interesting. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. Are you getting anything out of this? Yeah. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. The Holy Spirit showed me something in here. Illuminated this to me. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are, my way, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This verse is referring to the holiness of God. His thoughts are higher than ours. There's a separation. Man, it's talking about the holiness of God. He's higher than us. Now listen, you, this is one of the most perverted and twisted scriptures by many people. And I'm going to show you why. So many people use this verse to insult God. Someone gets a sickness or a disease, or a person gets killed drinking and driving, and they say, well, God's ways are higher than our ways. Have you ever heard that before? As if to say that God gave them that infirmity, or, or that it's his will that that person drank, got drunk and went out and killed himself. Are you hearing me? Well, God's ways are higher than, than our ways. I mean, we just don't know. Uh, you know, maybe God just wanted that person in heaven. There's, there's a mission in heaven for him to do. God's ways are higher than our ways. What a slap in the face to Almighty God. Are you hearing me? 
Let me give you a different and clearer perspective on that verse now. Are you ready for this? Apart from the Holy Spirit, man thinks earthly and fleshly thoughts. Amen? But God's ways are higher. Only a man could say, could pin, pin the tail on God and say, well, God gave him that cancer. Only a fleshly thinking, only dead religious people would say, God's ways are higher than his way. God's ways are higher than our ways. And, and yeah, you know, that guy died drinking and driving. And, you know, God's ways are just higher. That's man. That's man. That's flesh. Come on, I'll step out and say that's the enemy saying that. That's blasphemous. Amen? But God's ways are higher. Listen to me now. Are you, you got, listen to me close. God's ways are higher. His ways, his thoughts originate in heaven where there is no sickness and disease. There is no tragedy. Follow me now. Man is always trying to bring God down to our level. But he is higher. He is holy. He thinks precious thoughts toward you. His will has nothing but blessing in it for his child, for those people who are walking in the truth of his word. Are you hearing me? So start looking at this verse differently. Something uh, terrible happens in your life and, and all that. You don't say, oh, God's ways are higher than my ways. You don't pin that on God. Amen? Don't pin it on God. His ways are higher. His ways are better. Oh, hallelujah. He has a better plan for us than that. It's man who always wants to bring God down to our level. My goodness. I hope I, that, that, that became so clear to me in my study time. So clear. I hope you caught that revelation. But that's why we desperately need the Holy Spirit to reveal the things of God to us. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal the things of God. And that's why Jesus, in his earthly ministry, went in much detail about the Holy Spirit's ministry in relation to the believers. Because Jesus knew that man's going to try to mess it all up. Man's, man's thoughts, man's way of thinking is going to try to mess it all up. Man's way of thinking is going to really mess up God's, uh, how God really is. Are you hearing me? Jesus knew that. Jesus knew the importance of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And John, uh, in the Gospel of John, four, chapter 14 through chapter 16, pretty much that whole thing is dedicated much, most of it to the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the believer. Jesus knew that dead religion was a cancer. That it's a spiritual cancer. Amen? Without the Holy Spirit, we will fall into the trap of creating our own God in our minds instead of getting to know the God of the Bible. Like I said, it's always man who is trying to bring the creator down to the created, to, to our level. But listen, this, this, is, this is the deception when the Holy Spirit, when someone shuts out the ministry of the Holy Spirit in their life. All right, you ready for this? This is, the, this is it. 
even with all the information in the Word of God on certain subjects, without the Holy Spirit revealing and opening up the truths to us, we can miss much of the blessings that God has for us. I mean, we could come up with many examples, but Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth Hagin was a, was a minister in a certain denomination um, that didn't really uh, believe in, in anything of the, the Spirit of God or miracles happen today and all this good stuff. And uh, when, when, he, when Kenneth Hagin received the Holy Spirit baptism and, and crossed over that line, you know, and really starting to get into the full gospel things, he looked back and he said, My, he said, Lord, what on earth have I been preaching? What have I been preaching? Are you, but, but listen to me. The whole time, the evidence was right here, but he didn't see it. Are, are you understanding me? The whole time. I don't know how many years he, he pastored without, without uh, receiving the baptism. I don't know if it was 10 years or, or I, I don't remember exactly. But the, this, uh, this is the danger of quenching the Holy Ghost in your life. The whole time, all the scriptures, he, same Bible, same Bible, but when he received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and he allowed the Holy Spirit to, to flow through him, when he, when he relied more on the Holy Spirit, it became clearer to him. Have you ever had that before? You, you sit down and, and you read a verse in the Bible, you read it over a million times, then all of a sudden, just an explosion of revelation happens to you uh, on the inside of you, and, and you have more of an understanding of it. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit brings life. I mean, another example is uh, there's a, a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It says, do not forbid in speaking in tongues. Is that right? Right? I mean, doesn't it say that? Well, why, why is there so many congregations that don't allow that gift to operate then? You see, you see what I'm saying? It's right there. How much more clear can it get there? Yet, people are blinded to it. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to illuminate these things to us. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit exposes and removes the blinders to allow us as Christians to walk in the truth into the fullness of the blessings. Hey, you know, there's going to be a measure that people walk into, you know? I mean, there's going to be a measure. I mean, God loves the people who, who, who don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, who don't believe in miracles. Don't get me wrong. He loves them too. They're going to walk in a measure of it. They're going to get into heaven. Are you hearing me? But the Holy Spirit said, or Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, he's going to show you what is his and reveal it unto us. Oh, he wants to take us so much deeper into the things of God. How many of you are hungry for more of the things of God? Hallelujah. Me too. I want more, God. I want more. Give us more revelation. Hallelujah. So God's ways. God's wisdom, God's love, God's power, God's expectations are higher and greater than man's. Amen? All right. Understanding the holiness of God causes us to direct all of our praise and worship to Him and causes us to examine ourselves more thoroughly. Psalm 99, go there with me. Psalm 99. This topic is extremely important. Oh, this is, this is so foundational. We need it. If we want to go higher, this is a huge stepping stone for the body of Christ to take hold of. Amen? The holiness of God. 
the holiness of God. Hallelujah. Psalm 99, verses 1 through 9. The Lord reigns. Let the, people trem let the peoples tremble. He dwells between the cherubim. Let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is high above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king's strength also loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord your God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. There's that word again. He spoke to them in the cloudy pillar of his glory. They kept his testimonies and the ordinance, ordinance he gave them. You answered them, O Lord, O Lord our God. You were to them God who forgives. Though you took vengeance on their deeds, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. I think God's trying to get something across in that verse, in those passages. Do you think it could be that God is holy? And that should be our basis for exalting him, for worshiping him? Hallelujah. The whole motivation, again, just like in Revelation 15, the whole motivation is that he is holy. This is interesting. You ready for something else the Lord showed me? Verse 5. Verse 5 says, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. This is interesting because Isaiah 66, 1 says this, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. So we here on earth as Christians are to direct all of our praise, all of our worship to God in heaven. That is why the Bible says to lift our hands to the Lord. It, lifting of our hands is symbolic of humility and directing our worship to the living God. Follow me now. Listen. The Hebrew word that is translated worship, are you ready for this? Means to bow, to stoop, to bow down before God is an act of submission or reverence. Listen to this. This is powerful. The primary meaning of the word worship is to make oneself low. To make oneself low. And this is used, the, the, the absolute opposite of this Hebrew word is another Hebrew word, which is Exaltation. Are, uh, is the light going on in there right now? Listen to me. We are commanded to worship the Lord and to exalt Him. Are we not? We are, come on, we are to make ourselves low and exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that not right? We're supposed to lift Jesus high. Uh, John the Baptist said it this way. He must increase and I must decrease. Are you following me? And here's, here's another thing. The Lord showed me this, and this, this, if you take hold of this, this could really revolutionize your personal time, your personal praise and worship with the Lord. Are you ready? Listen. If the earth is God's footstool, the next time you begin to worship the Lord, it's like bowing at his feet, his footstool. Okay, that bounced right back at me. Let me try throwing it back at you again. <laughs> the next time you worship the Lord, it's like you're bowing at his feet. 
you are on, we're on the earth, are we not? Well, some of you might be in Mars right now. I don't know. Come back, back, back to earth, back to earth. But we are on earth, and it says the earth is his footstool. So when we bow down, we worship him, when we praise him, we're bowing down at his feet as an act of submission and reverence to him. I, I like it. I don't know. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Go to Isaiah chapter 6. Oh, hallelujah. Okay, so you're not going to be first in line at, the, at Ponderosa, at the buffet, okay? But work with me here. I'm, I'm getting close to being done, all right? <laughs> hallelujah. Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6, uh, 1 through 8. Listen to this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. That's a form of a, a living creature or a, a, a spirit, ministering spirit. We'll get into all that later. Awesome subject. Each one had six wings. With two he covered with his face, and two he covered with his feet, and two, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. The glory cloud come in. So I said, woe is me. This is Isaiah. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king of revelation, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. There's a couple different things I want to touch on in this passage here. Number one, how many of you would agree uh, that God's angels, God's ministering spirits, God's living beings, have a pure and complete understanding in revelation of God's incredible holiness? Would you, would you uh, believe that? Would you Agree with me on that? That God's angels who, who are in his throne room right now, they, they have a, a pure and undefiled revelation of the holiness of God. And listen, they can't help but cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah had quite a life-changing encounter with the holiness and glory of God. Isaiah saw a glimpse. He got a revelation of the holiness, of the glory of God, and that revelation changed his life and ministry forever. And I want you to notice in verse 8 that an encounter in the manifest presence of God. Look at this, verse 8. Let me read it again. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Here am I. Send me. One thing I want to show you is that according to verse 8, the Lord showed me this very clearly. 
That when you have an encounter with the manifest presence of God, when you have an encounter with the glory of God, you too will say, Lord, use me. Send me. I want to be used by you. You know what the problem is why many Christians don't want to be used? Many Christians don't want to volunteer? Because they never had an encounter in the glory and presence of God. You know what it is? Dead religion to them. But the Bible says that we are to go from, in our Christian walk now, listen, from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the living God. Literally, every time you experience the glory and presence of God, you're going from glory to glory. And if you're not experiencing it, it's going to be dead to you. The Christian life is going to be boring. I said it the other day, I think to Kathy. I said, I, you know, we're talking about some spiritual things. and <laughs> I said, I... I, I don't understand how, how Christians can think that the Christian life is boring. Well, I know, I, I guess I understand it because they never tasted of his presence. Never. And that's sad because God makes himself available, doesn't he? He makes himself available. He's not a respecter of persons. You know what I've been praying in the prayer times, in my personal prayer times? I said, Lord, I said, thank you for your word. Thank you that, you know, Ezekiel and Isaiah, how they had these experiences. That is so awesome to read. Now, God, let me experience them. When's the last time you prayed that? Come on. I'm encouraging you to pray that. I'm encouraging you all to pray that. I said, Lord, this is great stuff. My, man, the, the, your glory, the smoke filled the temple, your manifest presence. Man, your angels were all over. People were seeing the angels praise you and glorify you. Now, God, that's wonderful. Now, I want that. Oh, hallelujah. I want that. I've been, and I'll tell you this right now. I've been praying, Lord, open my eyes to the realm of the Spirit. Open my eyes to the realm of the Spirit. I said, teach me. Teach me about spiritual things. God, I don't want to be ignorant of spiritual things. Many Christians get born again, and, and that's it. Their whole other life is just carnal. Everything is just what they can do in their natural mind, what they think in their natural mind. What can I do? How can I help myself? How can I do this? And I said, no, Lord, I don't want to be ignorant of spiritual things. Open my eyes to the realm of the Spirit. Teach me spiritual things. Teach me about your kingdom. Teach me the keys to the kingdom. Hallelujah. So a lack of experiencing the manifest presence and glory of God will make you think that, you're, that the Christian life is boring. There will be no excitement. There will be no excitement. But listen to me, if you really want this, and, I, and this is God's promise, it takes a holy dissatisfaction on the inside of you. Are you tired of living the status quo Christian life? You know, I mean, come on. This earth is but, our life is but a vapor on this earth. One of my other prayers is, Lord, use me. I want to shake this earth for you before I go home to be with you forever. Use me. And I'm encouraging you to pray that same prayer too. Because he will use you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My prayer times, I, I don't know why I keep dragging this one out. Someone needs to hear it. But just, just what comes out is, Lord, there's got to be more. I want to know you more. There's got to be more. There's just got to be more. 
I want more. There's got to be more. I want more. I don't want to be the status quo stuff. No, there's got to be more. God, there's got to be. Just keep on knocking on it. There's got to be more. God, I want to know you more. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. And, and I'll tell you this. Something real cool. This happened back on the first outpouring in May 3rd that week, for those of you who know about it. But recently in our prayer times, just wonderful presence of the Lord in here. And you sensed it today, obviously. But I was in my house uh, a couple nights ago. Elizabeth was asleep on the couch. And I was just kind of, you know, we, we got done watching a movie, actually. And uh, just sitting on the couch, it, it was midnight. And, and the whole time while I'm watching this movie, I'm looking to the side of my, my, my entertainment center, and there's just flashes and, and tons of movement. I knew, I knew what was up. I, I knew what was going on. The presence of God was invading my house. And the presence of God filled my house so strong, just, just praise and worship started to come out. That, that glory dust started to fall right in my house. Why, 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 why? Because I'm hungry. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What? They shall go starving? They shall be filled. Not to mention that, but we're reaching an appointed time in the Big Rapids area where an outpouring is going to be poured out. I talk about this all the time. I don't know if you guys believe me or not, but I'm telling you, it bears witness, doesn't it? It bears witness at all of our pastors' meetings. Oh, my. There's about to be an outpouring like never before. If I were any of you guys, I wouldn't leave this area too soon. Are you hearing me? Oh, you'll be sorry. I didn't say this church. I just said this area, Big Rapids area, all right? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, next. My, uh, I'm almost done here. Understanding the holiness of God will help lead and, I kind of touched it, will help lead and guide us to the secret place of the Most High. And cause God's presence to manifest. Go to Second Chronicles. I got to tell you this. Brother Phil came in to my office today. I was just sitting in there relaxing, you know, and, and just kind of praying. And Phil comes in. How you doing, brother? I'm like, great. How are you doing? I said, what do you have for me today? Phil's always an encouragement to me. I love the brother. He comes in. He lays the Bible right on my desk. And he said, verses blah, blah, blah right here. I said, and my jaw dropped. I said, Phil, I am bring, bringing up this scripture in my sermon today. I would say confirmation, anyone? Yeah. All right, all right, you still with me? Now listen, this is powerful. Second Chronicles 5, 11 through 14. And it came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping uh, to their divisions. And the Levites who were the singers, all those of Asaph and Heman and, and Jeduthun, okay, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar. This is at the temple now, follow me. Clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them, 120 priests sounding with the trumpets. Ah, oh, interesting, 120. Sound familiar from Acts chapter 2? Indeed, it came to pass 
when the trumpeters and singers were as Whoa, as one. This is sound real familiar, one accord here. Where singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thank, thanking the Lord when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Listen what happened. There was 120 there. They were in one accord, unity. That the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. You know what that is, friends? The manifest presence and glory of God. So that the priest could not, oh, I like this. So that the priest, or the pastor, <laughs> the pastor, no, could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. The cloud, the glory of the Lord so filled the house, the priests couldn't even continue on ministering and doing what they were doing. The future forecast, cloudy. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> cloudy. Oh, that's the kind of cloud I like, amen? Oh, let the cloud pour out the rain. Hallelujah. But the priests, the musicians, and all that were involved in the temple, come on, you gotta, you got to catch this now. It didn't say, but you got to know this. They reverenced the Lord. They had a revelation of his holiness. They better, they did one wrong move, they're dead. Right? But God's trying to teach us a lesson here. Reverence him. Seek him. Get to know his holiness. How awesome he is. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, not only that, it, in the corporate setting, it went a step further, and it gave us the next key of being in one accord. Being in one accord. Amen? Hallelujah. My last point here. Understanding God's holiness will increase your confidence and faith in him and faith in his word. It will increase your confidence, your faith in him and his word. Because when you truly get a revelation that God is not a man, that he should lie, you will truly be able to stand on his word and trust him in a greater level. Like I said, man is always trying to bring God down to us. You know, we always pray something, we go away worrying after we pray the perfect will of God, what, what he promises in his word, we pray it, we walk away, we're in fear. It's a lack of knowing the holiness of God. It's a lack of knowing his character. Are you hearing me? I mean, when you, when you truly know his holiness, he's not a man that he should lie. Don't, don't try to keep bringing him down to us. Let's keep him up there and let's us go up to him. Oh, hallelujah. And that, my friends, I'm telling you, oh, ooh, that struck a chord in the spirit. I'll tell you right now, I'm going to be teaching on praise and worship real soon. In praise and worship, you ascend spiritually. Oh, hallelujah. We'll get into that some other time. But Hannah had a revelation of the holiness of God. Almost done here. 1 Samuel chapter 2. 363. Hallelujah. 1 Samuel chapter 2. I just, I just want to read verses 1 through 2 here. And Hannah prayed. She was praying for a child. And Hannah prayed and said, 
listen to this. My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord. For there is none besides him. Nor is there any rock like our God. You know, why could Hannah smile at her enemies? Most of the body of Christ is, is, is crying and running away from their enemies. But how could Hannah stay there and just smile at them? Because she knew the true and living God. She had a revelation of his holiness. Oh my. Mm. And, we could, and I'm going to be talking too in the near future. The difference between authority and power. How we as Christians have authority and power. Just to whet your appetite. Hallelujah. But this, my last scripture here, the psalmist had a revelation and confidence in our holy God. I want to close by reading this, this powerful psalm. Go to Psalm chapter 20. And I, as I read this, I want this psalm to soak into your spirit man. Be engrafted on your spirit man, Holy Ghost, engraft it on these people's hearts. Because we are walking epistles, not written by ink, the Bible says, but by the Spirit of the living God. Oh, glory, listen to this. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember all your offerings. That's interesting, isn't it? And accept your burnt offerings, Selah. May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. Isn't this beautiful? We will rejoice in your salvation. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Who sits at the right hand of God? It all comes through Jesus. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. Save, Lord. May the king answer us when we call. Friends, some trust in money. Some trust in their own ability. But I will put my trust in the true and living God of heaven and earth. Amen? Amen. You are holy, God. Stand with me in this place and tell him he's holy. He is holy. He is holy. He is holy. There is none like you, O oh God. You are holy. You are holy. Give us a deeper revelation of your holiness, O oh God. We are children of the King. Let's start acting like it. Oh, hallelujah. Now, maybe there's someone in here, you're not a child of the king. You're a child of the loser, the devil. You've never made Jesus Lord of your life. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, today is the day of salvation. Come to this altar, and I want to pray with you to become born again. Don't pass it up, because you don't know when you're going to take your last breath.
you're walking spiritually on very thin ice. Maybe there's someone in here, you, you said the sinner's prayer a while ago, and you know what? You just haven't been walking the walk. You've fallen away from the Lord Jesus Christ. You have not been abiding with him, as John 15 says. But today is the day of rededication. You need to rededicate your life today. Put the walls down. Take the walls down. Throw the idols out of your life and put Jesus Christ at the top priority of your life. If you want to rededicate your life today, I want you to come to this altar. You ought not to be ashamed. Jesus was not ashamed to hang on that cross, naked, bleeding, bruised, spit upon. It's no big thing for you to walk down here. Maybe you're a Christian and the Christian life has been boring to you. You've been reading, you try reading the Word of God and it's absolutely boring to you. It, it just feels like there's no life when you read. You need to come up here and receive the Holy Spirit baptism. <laughs> or a fresh infilling. Because the Bible says that we need to stay filled, keep be, be being filled, be being filled. So maybe your gas tank's a little low today. Maybe your spiritual gas tank is really low. Come on up and get filled up today. I want to pray with you and agree with you, and God's going to meet you right here at this altar. Maybe you have a physical infirmity, an emotional infirmity. Maybe you're bound by a demon or demons. You need some deliverance. Whatever it is, you need someone to pray with you. Come forward. I'm opening the altar. And the rest of you, I'm opening the altar if you just want to come and worship the Lord at the altar.
keeps pulling.